objections. You're probably getting a ton of them if you're making cold calls right now. And today's episode is going to be all about how you can steal Zoom Info's objection handling framework. It's something that their sales team has used to grow to over a billion dollars in ARR. Before we get to that, my name is Jason Bay. Thanks for checking out the Outbound Squad podcast. Our mission is to help you as a sales rep turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're an SDR or BDR and you're doing tons of cold outreach to land meetings or you're an account executive or leading a team of account executives or SDRs that are doing you know full cycle sales and taking deals to close, all that kind of stuff, you're, uh, you're definitely in the right place. So before we dig in today and get to the episode, this is the audio version of a webinar that we recently did. And I was joined by Dana Zimmerman, who is an outbound mid-market SDR at ZoomInfo, Early Bratton, who is a sales development manager at ZoomInfo, and then Jerry Casaletto, who is a director of sales development and lead gen at Reveneer. And one of the really unique things at Reveneer that they do is it's an outsourced uh, SDR for hire. So people hire their SDRs to do appointment for their organizations, and they have hundreds of thousands of outbound activities that they can gather a bunch of really interesting data from. And that's what we're going to talk about first is benchmarking. So with cold calling specifically, how do you know if you have an objection handling uh, challenge? You know, what percentage of your calls that you connect on should last longer than two minutes? And what percentage of those should book into a meeting? And what should the show rate be? We're going to dig into all that kind of stuff. We're going to dig into mindset. And the last probably 35 minutes of this We literally go objection by objection and we ask everyone how they would handle it. So this one, you might need to slow down and (laughs) take some notes on. There's some really, really, really good stuff in here. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. couple things before we get started. You're going to have uh, some questions. So the best way for us to see those is if you click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. If you can put all of your questions in there, we'll try to get to as many as we can. Today, we're going to talk about objection handling. I'm really excited. we got a couple guests uh, today, as you can see. Uh, Dana Zimmerman. Dana is an outbound mid-market SDR at Zoom Info. We have her manager, Ariel Bratton. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correct. Ariel Bratton. Early, <laughs> already mess- I'm messing up locations. I'm messing up names today. Um, sales- she's a sales development manager at Zoom Info. And Jerry, uh, we've done one of these before. He is a director of sales development and lead gen, at- and lead gen, excuse me, at Reveneer. So good to have everyone. Let's uh, let's dig in first. What I think would be really interesting to hear from the audience is: Can you let us know in the chat when you're making cold calls, when you're sending cold emails? What objections are you getting right now? Drop them into the chat for us. What objections are you running across? What do you guys think? Any of this mm-hmm. look, uh, abnormal to you, or is this kind of what you were expecting? Very common. A lot of yeah, blocking. A lot of blocking objections. <laughs> yeah, too expensive. Economy. Yeah. The reason why I like to do this in the chat is hopefully it makes you feel a little better if you're looking at the chat. Most reps are probably, they're getting the same types of objections. Um, I want to talk about uh, benchmarking first. So we're going to talk benchmarking. So basically, how do I identify if you're having a problem with objections and where at what point in the call to fix it? We're going to talk about some mindset stuff and then we'll probably spend over half the time just going through specific objections and how to handle them. I'd like to start, Jerry, with you. You want to explain a little bit more about what you guys do at Reveneer and just give people a perspective on the volume of outreach that you guys are doing. And then you have a dashboard that you guys track that would be really great to start with. For sure. Thanks, Jason. So yeah, here at Reveneer, we design, build, and manage outbound sales development teams. Uh, all of our SDRs are here right outside of Boston and Lexington, Mass. We have about 150 SDRs and about 60 to 70 clients active. Um, so these SDRs are dedicated to certain clients doing you know, SDR work. We're a phone first shop. We like to hit the phones, but we do do omni-channel. Um, so we use LinkedIn and email as well. But obviously benchmarking your phone performance is important and you do want some data back in that. So for us, we make over 100,000 dial, 100, dials per month 
as an organization. And we aggregate that data in, into Tableau to see kind of how the market is. And this was really interesting to see, you know, once everybody went hybrid and remote, pivoting from direct to sell dials. And, you know, we got to see the dashboard and see where the data lies. So I'm going to share out a dashboard that's going to go into connect rate. How we measure connect rate is when the ideal prospect picks up the phone. Uh, conversation rate. So that is when a conversation with a live prospect goes two minutes or greater. Um, meeting scheduled rate. So of those conversations, how many go to a meeting scheduled and delivered rate with outbound prospects, you know, a delivered rate, you're going to have some reschedules, you're going to have some stuff move around. So we also benchmark that. So let me share my screen really quickly to give you an idea of what to look for for your internal team. Um, so this is a Tableau dashboard. There is a lot of ups and downs, but really at the bottom is where you can see the aggregate. So you can see connect rate at 5.8%. Conversation rate just below 30%, um, right below a third for meeting scheduled rate, and right around 80% for delivered rate. Now, keep in mind, this does go into a lot of different industries. You know, on our floor, we do have a lot of SaaS companies, but we also have some energy companies, manufacturing companies. So this isn't a one-size-fits-all, but at least for everybody on here, you can take a look at the connect rate, conversation rate, meeting scheduled, and delivered rate to give yourself an idea of where to start to look at to see if you're having um, where to improve pretty much. Okay. Let's, uh, I think what would be kind of interesting, I don't know if there's any data nerds out there, but when I see stuff like this, I get really excited because we can be really objective. <laughs> Um, let's start with, uh, okay. Connect rate. What I'll just kind of open this up to the entire panel here. 5% is what I've seen to be pretty common. If a rep has a low connect rate, like let's say four, 3%, um, what are some suggestions that you guys have to improve connect rates? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the first thing that we need to consider is, you know, is their phone number being marked as spam? Like when we're calling through dialers, that's the first thing that I ask, like, hey, have you called your cell phone? Have you called, you know, your mom's cell phone if she has a different like cell phone provider? Because I know that AT&T is like the biggest, uh, mm -hmm. the biggest like spam blocker number system in there. So that's one thing I check. Um, I also want them to check like what time of day are you calling as well? Because that can also make a difference. But the first step would definitely be like, is that number coming up as spam? Because if you're not having connect rates and you know somebody sees spam on their phone on their cell phone, immediately you're going to decline. So that's a that's a really good first step for um, reps to take. Yeah, I can piggy piggyback off early as well. Um, when I set up my workflow and my days and my tasks, I will flip flop throughout the week. You know, I'm calling at 8 a.m. I'm not catching them at that point. I'll try at the end of the day, the following day, or even the same day, I'll move them out until four o'clock. Um, Cause I find for myself in the morning at the end of the day is my best connection rate. I'm also a double tapper. I double tap. Mm. <laughs> They'll pick up after that wonder why I'm double tapping. And I straight tell them, I just, I want to talk to you. I don't answer either on their numbers. So I'm a double tapper. <laughs> let us let us know in the chat. Do you double tap? So a double tap is I call, they don't pick up. I don't leave a voicemail. I call them directly back. Let us know in the chat. And we're yeah. spending some time, by the way, on this because objection handling doesn't matter at all. And cold calling techniques don't matter if you can't get a prospect to pick up the phone. Exactly. Yeah. So it looks like quite. And a sometimes deal. people have it set where it's an unknown number. It goes directly to their voicemail. And I find if you double tap, it breaks that. So if you're getting a ring and the voicemail is picking right up, they're not necessarily sending you to voicemail. It's the way that they have their phone set up. And if you call right back, it gets through. So that's just a little trick to so take home with you too. I got one more follow-up on that, Dana, for you, because the concern that people are going to have is, well, what if the prospect is annoyed? And I'm sure that's that right. happens to you. The prospect gets annoyed every now and then. In my yeah. experience, it's way less often than you would think. But how do how do you handle that? If someone's like, well, why did you call me twice? But how do you respond to that? I remember there was one guy. I actually called his office. Then I called his cell phone. And I was like, I never left him a voicemail. I was in the process of writing him an email. So I called him again. And he answered. He's like, Dana, you just triple tapped me. I said, my intentions really were not to triple tap you. But I realized as I was writing the email, I never left you a voicemail. Because my, my process is I leave a voicemail, let the prospect know, hey, I'm going to shoot you an email as well. 
If it's easiest for you to get back to me via email, like that's perfectly fine. Feel free to give me a call. It's nice to chat as well. But I, I called back intentionally to leave the voicemail, not expecting him to pick up. But I said, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I didn't leave you the voicemail. And I've also had people, you know, ask or say, like, you literally just called me and double tapped. And I just am honest. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I personally don't answer calls. I don't know. I wanted to talk to you. So I gave you a call back, hoping that you would pick up. And you did. So it's fantastic. <laughs> and they appreciate the honesty, you know? Just be honest, be human. And it loosens people up a little bit. Yeah. I think if you can have your personality and the smile that you have there, you can hear that through the phone. And oh, I, I always have a really, it, yeah. really big part of it. Um, yeah. Jerry, what about you? Pickup rates. If you're looking at reps across the board and there's low pickup rates, anything else that wasn't <laughs> mentioned so far that you guys look at at, at Revenue? First thing I usually dive in is the dials. Who are they dialing? What is the quality of those phone numbers? You know, you want to go after cell phones in this day and age. Typically, if it's available to you, uh, you you need to have a consistent connect rate because if you're not having at bats, you know, you're not going to book many meetings. Something else, you know, going through and there is that filter that you mentioned, Dana, on automatic. If I don't know the number, it's going to go to voicemail. If you're having an issue with low connect rates, you can start with an email first with your phone number in the signature and their inbox is going to recognize your phone number when they call and it could say maybe Jason Bay. So that is going to increase at least it ringing and you potentially getting a pickup. So first thing I look at is quality of data and I look at the personas. I want to benchmark it across other members of the team and then I potentially pivot to an email first with the number in the signature so the phone recognizes that. Okay, that is a huge pro tip, actually. And I've heard this, I have not really seen it in action. But if you if the prospect is using a a CRM, like a HubSpot or a Salesforce, where it's hooked up to their email, um, there's a lot of different ways that that could be. If you send an email, and your phone number is in your email signature, and they receive it, it'll pop up oftentimes with Mm -hmm. your name. Wow. Which, there's a lot of other hacks that you can do too with wire, uh, like cell phone providers to get your name to pop up too, which is, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. The, the, the uh, pickup rate definitely increases. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Um, one more time, Jerry, could you quickly share your screen again? I wanted to just quickly write down the benchmark percentages so yep. that people have it. Okay. Yeah, right down on this yeah. So we got 5.84% for connects. So 28.2% conversion rate, that's the number of connects that last longer than two minutes. The phone call lasts longer than two minutes. Yep. And these are all for the intended uh, prospects. So this doesn't include any gatekeeper data. It's always with that ICP. Got it. There's the benchmarks for everyone there in the chat. Uh, Erily, I'd like to direct it over to you. So you have some stuff that uh, through Zoom Info's Chorus AI that you're looking at and benchmarks around like how long calls last, that sort of stuff. And I think it's really good feedback for any managers or anyone doing call coaching watching this or any reps too, to just kind of self-diagnose where you're having issues. What are some of the things that you look at in the reps that you're working with? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, One thing I really focus on is how long is that calling? Um, The longer the call, typically the better qualified work qualifying our prospects or, you know, potential customers. But I also look at filler words, kind of next steps to do on the call. Um, You know, I also listen, I also look for talk to listen ratio. Are we talking too much? Are we product dumping instead of asking the customer questions or prospect? Like, you know, is this a solution that you use? Like if you had a magic wand to fix anything in your system, like what would it be? Um, So those are benchmarks I really look at. I think as managers, we put time on our calendars to call coach, right? Like, to be honest, we get busy, we get bombarded with things, but I, I do believe that there is a, there is value in call coaching and actually spending time doing that every single day, because how are we going to know what objections our reps are running into if we don't hear them live during call coaching? And I think it better prepares us as managers to know what benchmarks we need to look for and see like out of the 50 dials or 60 dials our reps are making a day, how many of those are actually connecting and what does that connect rate look like for them to actually book a meeting as well? So um, I do a lot of that through Chorus. Okay. So just to give people some guidelines, again, if there's a manager watching this or if you're a rep and you're working with your manager to get coaching, like how many calls would you 
do you listen to on a typical day? Like how many are you giving feedback to? Like what what could a rep on your team expect to get in terms of feedback on a on a yeah. daily or weekly basis? Um, I do one call uh, for each of my reps. So right now I have a team of about eight. So I'll get I'll listen to eight calls. But then I also listen to some of the AE calls that they book those meetings for to see like, are the AEs going into those meetings prepared with the information that my SDR has provided as well? So I would say it can vary anywhere, you know, from eight to 10, um, depending on the day. If my team is having a little bit of a slower day or saying that they're running into more objections, I'll listen to more calls that day. Um, but then we also do a weekly uh, kind of like a think tank where we bring those calls live in front of the team, randomly pick pick some calls and talk to the team like, hey, what went well? What didn't go well? Um, and what would you have changed about the call for the person who actually made the call? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to drop a question into the chat. How many cold calls do you get coaching on from your manager every week? Let me know in the chat. Oh, oh. This is a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of zeros. Okay. Um, what could, Airely, I'll, I'll point this question your way again. For a rep that maybe doesn't have a manager that's as proactive as you are, and I know the culture at Zoom Info, and I'm, I'm assuming Jerry at Revenir, there's probably a ton of this in that this is, you guys are an SDR shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Airely, what's a, if someone is watching this and they're a rep and they don't have a proactive manager giving them feedback on a daily or semi-regular basis, how do you suggest that they maybe talk to their manager or make it easy for them to, to give feedback if yeah. it's not done proactively? Um, I would make like a, a Google Doc and just be like, you know, my own playlist of calls that you want call coached. I would send those to your manager and then on your one-on-ones be like, hey, I would really want to spend some time today diving over this call. This call did not go really well. And I want your feedback on it. That way it's right in front of your manager. Like, let's take care of this right now. I need some coaching on this. Um, take that initiative. It's it's going to get you places specifically, um, but also slacking them to your manager too. If you see that your manager is kind of busy, you don't have a one-on-one with them that day, but this is a call you want coach, send it to them. Let them know, hey, I really need some help on this. I need some guidance. It's going to help me be better. Yeah. I think that part of being a good uh, person that is getting on the receiving end of coaching is making it easy for someone to coach you. So like yes. I said, put, pulling up a spreadsheet, pulling, handpicking the calls, saying, hey, this didn't go well for this specific reason. If you want to take a step further, you could also like, hey, at one minute and 28 seconds into the call, I got this objection and didn't know how to deal with it. And, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing I think is really powerful. Um, anything, Dana, as you're thinking about like, how do I get the best coaching from my manager, is there anything that you do on a daily or weekly basis to like make it easy for Airly to like coach and provide feedback outside of the proactive stuff that she's already doing? Yeah, um, absolutely. So on during our one-on-ones, Airly actually has like a, a um, one note that she has us fill out um, with our weekly performances, and a section in there is our call coaching. And for myself, of course, I shared with Airly great calls because who doesn't want to share their great calls? But, um, you know, when I moved over to a new team and Zoom Info acquired Comparably, I was not very familiar with Comparably. Super shaky on it. Didn't feel confident. But as we all know, we kind of got to just dive into it and just we fall, we fall. It's the only way we're going to learn. So there was one that I can remember that I sent over to Airly and I told her prior, like, just a forewarning, this is might make you cringe a little bit. (laughs) And uh it's, it, it was the best way to learn, you know, but I think it's super beneficial that she does that. And she then takes it, goes like, listens to the call and then gives you all the feedback, whether you want to hear it or not. But I think as a rep, you, you just have to be open-minded. You, you truly do in order to grow. And I think that's when you have a manager that um, gives you that feedback, whether it's great or bad, what you want to hear is really how you're going to grow and just get better with, with things that you're not familiar with. I think one thing that stuck out to me as well is that you, I know this might sound obvious uh, to some of the people watching this, but the amount of effort that goes into the preparation for the Mm one-on-one makes for a really good one-on-one. And it's just a thing that requires a lot of discipline. So picking out recordings prior, sending them over beforehand, attempting to give yourself a little bit of feedback beforehand, that as a manager, listening to one of those calls before the meeting and coming in with feedback 
it's a way that you can take a 30 minute meeting and get like hours worth of value out of it. For sure. Preparation. So I think bringing those calls to the one-on-one is great advice. Share them in advance. And if you're a rep, part of being a great rep too is managing up. If your manager doesn't have this system, like offer this up as a, as a way to start doing like to, uh, for you to get more out of your one-on-one. Um, okay. I want to shift gears a bit and let's just start talking and digging into some of the objections. I think people are probably kind of chomping at the bit to, uh, to hear that. So uh, Jerry, in our prep call for this, you talked about the different types of objections. And I think that's a really good place to start because it might be overwhelming, as you saw in the chat, where there's dozens of different types, uh, seemingly different types of objections, but really we can narrow them down into a couple categories. So what are those categories? Yeah, so we like to think of them, there's typically three types of objections that we could see on an outbound call. First can be a blocking objection, and those are typically after you know the first 20 seconds of the call. You might hear, I don't have time, I'm not interested, I already have a solution, I'm not the right person, I don't have budget. That's the first thing they say, and that's a blocking objection. It's blocking you from even getting into a conversation with that prospect. The second type is qualified. And that's more, you know, a real objection, not just a blocker. Uh, It's more specific information pertaining to your offering, uh, but you do want to overcome that to create action. Uh, And then there could be a closing objection. You get through your conversation, you're at the end, you're asking for a call to action, a time, a demo, and then there's another objection. So there's three different buckets of objections. And Each, you know, we like to use a framework of embrace, inform, and open-ended question. So embracing is really just acknowledging it, not just jumping in and trying to overcome it. Embracing it. Oh, yeah, I understand I called you out of the blue. You know, you're you're embracing it. And then you can can do an inform. It could be product-specific or relevant-specific. Hey, I saw on a webinar you mentioned this. And then an open-ended question. You never just want to say a line and just wait because they're going to have control to own that conversation a little bit more. Go to an open-ended question and get the conversation more on your side. Um, so those are the three buckets and the methodology of how we go into it. I know that's high level, but we can break it down, I'm sure, as a group. Yeah. So embrace, inform, and then end with an open-ended question. And I know Chorus AI has a ton of data on like the amount of questions that people ask in cold calls and how they respond to an objection. And I don't remember the specific stat, but what they found in top performers is they respond to objections like way more often with a question than with a closed-ended statement. Um, so let's uh, let's start going through the framework. And I dropped in the chat also because people were asking about, hey, if we don't record calls, what can we do? That kind of thing. Um, I recommend a couple things. You could just open up a Zoom meeting with someone and just ride shotgun and listen to them. And there's also a, a platform called Nooks. So Nooks is really cool. It's like a virtual call, uh, call center. So you can have like people in like different like virtual pods and you can be listening. And then when someone connects, you can go hop in their pod and listen to them live too, which is pretty cool. So those are the two things that I would check out. So again, that framework is embrace, inform, open-ended question. And what we're about to do is dig through blocking objections. So these are like the not interested, I don't have time, et cetera. The qualifying objections that are specific to your offering. We have a solution in place. Uh, We don't have the budget for something like this. And then closing objections, stuff that you run into when you're kind of towards the finish line. So uh, Dana, I'll start with you. Um, you already, already kind of gave us your response to when someone is like, yeah, hey, why'd you call me so much? Let's go down the list here. So what if someone says, uh, you know, I'm actually heading into a meeting. I straight up say to them like, hey, I, I appreciate that. You know, I just want to see if it's worth me even giving you giving you a call back. You know, I'm reaching out from Zoom Info. I'm actually part of your account management team. This is why I was reaching out. You know, I like to try and just at least get to see if it's worth me giving the call back. They're like, yeah, give me a call tomorrow. The next thing you know, I'm chasing them for the next month because I don't give up. You know, so I I just straight ask them right when I have them on the phone, like, hey, let's see if it's even worth me giving you a call back. You know, this is why I'm giving you a call X, Y, and Z. And they'll tell me straight from like that point whether to give them a call or not. Or sometimes I get them the book. Because yeah. are they really walking in that meeting? Yeah. <laughs> at at one thirty-six, I think you're late. <laughs> yeah. 
or or they're right in the middle of a meeting. I'm like, I must have been a pretty boring meeting. Yes, I love <laughs> those. Like, hey, I'm in a meeting. Yeah. Then why dancer? <laughs> yeah. So that was the framework in action you embraced, right? That they were mm-hmm. in a meeting. You informed them the reason for my call. And then the reason for the call is, uh, can you give us an example of what something might sound like? Are you dropping in some sort of trigger that you found or making their job title? What's the reason typically? Yeah. So being that I'm on the Town OS team here at Zoom Info, I'm focused solely on Town OS. So I'm reaching out to um, town acquisition managers, you know, chief town officers, anything on the HR side of things. So when I am going to call somebody at I'm researching to see if they're hiring. So typically I'll be reaching out saying like, you know, I noticed that you have 46 open positions. I wanted to chat with you about that. You know, I'm calling from your account management team. Just kind of go in that way. You know, typically it's, it's when they're hiring and I bring up that point. So you want to bring a relevant trigger into the conversation. So the informed piece for you is very specific, which I think is really important to point out because I don't know. Let me, let me know what you guys think. The psychology I always like to think about of the prospect. And when someone says, you know, I'm about to head into a meeting or not interested or whatever it might be. Oftentimes it's, they don't even know who you are or why you're calling. Mm -hmm. They just know that it's a cold call and they're objecting to being interrupted by someone that they didn't ask to call them. Mm -hmm. So when you can bring something relevant immediately into the conversation, it's like, Oh yeah, we are hiring. What's up? (laughs) What do you want? You know, (laughs) kind of thing. Um, and then you got the open-ended question. Before we move on to the next objection, Jerry, Airly, anything about this objection that you would add to what Dana just shared? Yeah. How to, think about it, how to respond, that kind of thing. I, I really love the way that Dana goes about objections because she's so relentless. But one thing I used to say as an SDR is like, hey, instead of me giving you a call back to book a meeting, like, let me tell you why I'm calling. Um, does this sound like interesting to you? And then kind of go into your soft pitch and they'd be like, yeah, I don't want you to call me. You've already called me 15 times. So like, let's chat and see if this is relevant. And then that way you're not wasting your time calling people that aren't interested and you can face like focus on other things and other prospects and other customers that you can call. So I think people really appreciate that too, where it's like less calls is, is better. So like, this is why I'm calling. And instead of calling you back, like, let's talk about this and see if it's worth your time. Yeah, I mean, I don't just turn up too much to add. Those are really great ways to overcome that objection. You know, if someone's running in a meeting, you know, you can try and ask for those 20 seconds, you know, see if it's worthwhile for me to even give you a call back. You know, that that's you just need them to know why you're calling because it, it is a blocking objection and the chances that are actually going into a meeting are probably slim. They're trying to get you off the phone. You know, they're trying to diffuse the situation. They're in a defensive mode. So if you embrace it, it you know, you, you can kind of calm them down a little bit and, you know, see because they don't know what they're avoiding yet. You know, they got to hear out you is your, is your goal. Yeah. There's value. I, I appreciate it as well. Yeah. And if there's value, they will make time. If there's value, in what you're saying, they will make the time. They will be two minutes late to that meeting to talk to you about this and see if the solution fits. Love it. Okay. One more question for you, Dana, before we move to the next objection is mindset around this. When you get objections, you, it it doesn't seem to like throw you off. And I'm curious if there's any intention and where I'm kind of going with this is I was working with a rep yesterday on his cold calls. <laughs> he calls security people, which they get a lot of cold calls and they kind of hate getting cold calls. So people are really irritated when they pick up the right. phone. So he goes to this place. He's like, literally what goes on in my head is like, oh shit, why did I call this person? That's where his head goes. And yeah. I'm curious for you. Is there anything from a mindset standpoint that when you hear that someone's like, I'm heading into a meeting and you know, it's a total excuse and they don't sound super excited to talk to you. What do you think? Like what goes on in your head, if anything? And is there any intention around the mindset or the approach so that you come off in a way like how you come off where it's like very disarming? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think much crosses my mind negatively. Like I, I, go into every call super positive. Like I could get off a call, someone not very kind, and I might need to walk away for five minutes, but I just come right back because every call is a new call. It's just the way that I walk into it, you know, and I smile and dial. Like how I'm talking now is literally how I am on the phone. And I always try to make the conversation like from the gate, you know, like, hey, Jason, 
Like I get excited, like Jason, hi, good afternoon. And I'll, and sometimes I get excited at four o'clock in the afternoon because somebody picked up and nobody picked up. And I straight tell them that. Like I'm excited because you're the first person I talk to, you know, but um, yeah, of course you get those irritated people. And I think I just block it. I don't think I really pay much attention to it and just keep doing what I do. I think a, another thing I'll drop into the chat, another pro tip is like, make it hard to be rude to you. Mm -hmm. Come into the call. Like it sounds like you are Dan. It's like, it's very hard to be like angry with a person that's excited to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Smacking away an excited puppy. You know what I mean? Um, Okay. Let's, let's uh, keep moving. So Jerry, I'll throw this one your way. Um, Not interested. And let's say that this happens pretty early in the call where it's like, uh, hey, this is Jason with Outbound Squad. Oh, not interested. Because I think it, it differs a little bit if you if you get it a little later. But what's uh, what's the thinking behind this one? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few ways to go about that. You know, some people like to be straight on and be like, you know, what are you not interested? I haven't told you the reason why I'm calling yet. You know, it's like some yeah. people are pretty bullish with that and that's fine. You know. I, I always like to understand more the why behind not interested in specifically. It's like, hey, Jason, I get I'm calling you out of the blue while I while I have you here. Is that because you're not involved or you already have a solution? It's like, let me let me understand that. And you'll probably get like, oh, no, I am the guy. It's like just we already have something in place. And then you can go into the conversation a little bit more. So it's like I like to diffuse it a little bit. Some people can be bullish. It kind of has to be on your personality, your tone, your pace, you know, who you mm-hmm. are, you know. Just because it works for me, it might not work with somebody else who has a different tone or pace. So I've seen both of those work. But what works for me is just, you know, is that because you're not the right person or because you already have a solution? And and you'll hear, you know, more about that person, you know, because you'll a lot of the times they almost not take offense to it. But it's like, oh, no, no, I I am the right person to evaluate. And it's like, hey, that's that's why I was giving you specifically a call. And then you can go back into the conversation. There's something I appreciate about. that, Jerry. I like that approach. Yeah. It's good for emails. <laughs> there's there's something about there's something I don't know what the psychology is with behind this, but people love to correct other people. Mm-hmm. So when it's like, oh, it's because you're not involved, if it is something they're involved in, my natural instinct at that point is going to be to tell you that no, this is my responsibility, actually. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, we we do have something in place, and now now we're like having a conversation now yeah. about something real. Um, Dana, Early, what would you two add? What's your approach? You want me to go first, or you want to go? <laughs> go for it, Dana. I'll let you take this one for now. Um, like I said, Jerry, thank you. I really like that approach. I actually have done the. Well, Jason, what are you not interested? I actually didn't even tell you why I was calling. And it's worked in my favor. It's also gotten the phone hung up on me, <laughs> um, which is fine. Then, you know, just keep it moving. Um, I honestly try to go into a call preventing the not interested. You know, I have a reason why I'm calling. Like I said, like, hey, I noticed that you're hiring right now for 119 positions. Like, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation because how are you filling those positions? You know, but of course, they always do come up and I kind of just respond with a question. Like I noticed that you're hiring for a marketing, something in marketing, you know, it's been up for two months. Like, what are you doing to fill that position and try to venture the conversation and dig a little bit deeper, almost avoiding that we're not interested, but I'm excited for, for your point there, Jerry, because I'm definitely going to use that, especially on emails. Cause I will say, Honestly, it's a struggle to go back on somebody who says, I'm not interested through email, easier on the phone, having the conversation. Usually you get ghosted when you reply back on a no, not interested email. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, Dana. I think when somebody says not interested in a way to spin that too is like, oh, do you already have a solution like this in place? Like make them think about it mm-hmm. because you haven't even started your pitch yet and they're already like not interested. So it's like, oh, do you already have a solution? Oh, what are we talking about? Like, what solution are we talking about? Like, how do we get them to open up a little bit? Because then from there, if they're like, well, what kind of solution? It's like, oh, well, I was calling you about this. Like, do you already have something in place like this? And they could be like, yes or no. And if they say, yes, we do. It's like, okay, perfect. Like if you had a magic wand to fix anything within that solution, what would it be? 
hey, like we're having this problem with this solution and this, and then you can talk about how you come in as kind of like a consultant of your product and how you can fix that problem that they're currently having, right? To become the solution. But sometimes you kind of have to trick prospects a little bit when they say that, like, act like act a little dumb. Ask that question. It's like, oh, do you have a solution in place? Because it seems like you already know what I'm going to talk to you about, but you don't know right. what I'm going to talk to you about. Yeah, I love that. The uh, you had mentioned Dana calling prospects, or sorry, prospects who email not interested. Do you guys ever pick up the phone and call those people? Yeah, I've done it. So let's yeah. talk about that because I think the number one thing, we're talking mostly phone today, but anytime you get an objection over email, even if I get an interested, I always like to pick up the phone to see if I can catch them real quick to schedule mm -hmm. and just like reduce friction. Um, so if we call a prospect who said not interested through an email, is there any particular way that you guys here on the call might recommend like opening that call? I mean, for myself, go ahead, Early. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine, Dana. Um, I would just give them a call back because it's like, did you even review my email? I'd be like, hey, John, like I got your email saying that you were interested. Is there something that you didn't find a value in the original email that I sent you or something that I can clarify? And then they could be like, early, I didn't even like read your email. I just like said, mm -hmm. not interested. you know, it's like, OK, great. Like, was there something like I can add here? Like, is there something that caught your eye potentially? And then you can further elaborate into that, because I know as a manager, like I get a lot of emails and the majority of the time, like depending on the length of the emails, you probably don't read them because they're so long. So it's like, okay, what is a value? What did you find valuable? What didn't you find valuable? And that way you can either progress the conversation or you can move on. Yeah. I chuckled a bit because you're, I love your, the mindset and the attitude behind it. It's like, I'm going to go into invest, investigation mode here. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like there's probably a I'm not interested and I want to know what that reason is. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, and it's having a little bit of fun with it. Um, let's keep moving. Uh, let's do. Okay, I think this is a pretty common one. Um, Jerry, I'll kick this one. I think we asked Jerry last time, actually. Early, I'll I'll kick this one over your way first. Um, can you send me some more information, or can you send me an email? How do you think about that one? Um, I always try to get the meeting booked. I would be, you know, I would be like, Hey, Jason, like, um, I know that you want an email, but the best way that we can get you in front of the right people who can answer those questions live is going to be one of our product specialists. So how about we find 15 minutes today, tomorrow to dive in. And if this isn't a value, like we can go our own ways, but I think having those live 15 minutes is going to be beneficial. So we can talk about the product and answer your questions. We can also record the call. So if you need to send this up to any teammates or anybody, your manager, you can do that as well. And if they have questions, we can kind of have an email conversation about those two or schedule a second call. Yeah. So is it fair to say, like, is assumptive the right word to use? I don't want to use the wrong word here. Like the assumptive thing behind this, is it to just be very assumptive and assume that if someone wants more information, if they genuinely want more information, that means there's interest there. Yep. And what's way easier to do to get the information that they need is to talk to someone that's more of an expert than you are. Yes. It would actually take a lot less of this person's effort. I know they got to hop onto a call, but it's the quickest way for them to get the information is the word assumptive and just kind of, you know, I was taught to assume the sale a long time ago is what we talked about that, yeah. behind it. Yeah, definitely. Because if there's interest and there's value there, then they will more likely join the call and be like, okay, like, yeah, this person can ask, actually answer my questions, especially when they get really technical about like CRM and how the, how the integrations work. Like we have those product specialists. I, cause then they start asking you questions during the call. Right. And you're like, oh, I actually don't have the answer to that. Or you do, but you just want to get them on the demo. Yeah. So <laughs> how do we get you in front of that product specialist? Yeah. It's uh, I think a big part of cold calling, just like every other part of sales too, is just not being afraid to ask, mm -hmm. <laughs> just, just yeah. ask for the meeting. And uh, if you do that two, three times, it's the second and third time, usually where you're going to get a lot of movement on meetings. And it's the people that are too afraid to ask that last mm -hmm. time, you know, typically, um, I have some ideas on this one, but I'll save it. Uh, Dana and Jerry, anything that you would add to this? prospect says, yeah, go ahead send me your pamphlet, your digital pamphlet, or uh, send me an email, whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to handle this one, and it depends on when you get it in the call. If you get it early on, you know, in the first 30 seconds or so, it's like, yeah, you know, I can send you over some information, but to be respectful of your time, I want to send you information that's relevant to you. Do you mind if I ask quick questions to see what I can send them? And then, you know, typically they'll be like, yep. And now you're back in the conversation. And now you have the chance to expose a pain or a need again. You know, you're not getting them off the hook that easy by just sending an email. It's like, oh, let me make sure I send the right content over. Can I ask? Boom. And now you're back in. Uh, If you get it at the end, you know, there's a few ways to send it after the two minute mark. You know, I can do that. You know, I have a bunch of white papers, case studies, you know. I could send it over, but I'd love to hear your feedback on it with my colleague and answer any more questions you have. You know, we have availability next Thursday at this date and time. You know, how does that look on your end? Have the date and time ready to go. Yeah. You know, be very persistent with that. Um, you know, you can send information. A lot of the times if you just send it and get off the phone, you're never going to hear from that person again. Um, something, if it's not fully qualified either, a little tip that I used to do as an SDR, because, you know, we have a lot of different clients. A lot of them range in qualification details. Some will take any meetings. Some want some pretty serious bank qualification. So, you know, my project needed to be pretty qualified. It's like, yeah, I'd love to send you some information. You know, when's a good time for me to follow up on that? You know, morning or afternoon. I'm going to put five minutes on your calendar with no meeting invite, but that's going to be notifying you that I'm going to be giving you a call then to follow up on this and I can get some feedback on the information. You might need some more clarification or qualification as an SDR, depending on the organization you're with. And that got me a lot of meetings. You know, they'd hit accept on it. I'd follow up via email before. Hey, does it make sense to extend this to 20 minutes? Sure. Beautiful. You know, it's a little... A little bit of a different tip, but the five minute placeholders were just all over my calendar for the week. And it's like, those are, I love it as an SDR. I like that, Jerry. That's a really great approach. It is like it a lot. I like the, the light discovery, you know, part like digging in a little bit more is my go-to where it's like, if I was talking to a VP of sales and be like, Hey, yeah, totally happy to send you an email. I am curious though. If you're like some of the other VPs of sales I'm working with, and they're trying to get their AEs to do more self-sourcing and just pick up the phone, make more calls, self-source more pipe, how does that compare to what you're thinking about right now at ABC Work? And you get them talking about like, yeah, it's definitely something we're working on. Well, what kind of challenges are you having? And people will share a little bit. And then it's like, hey, how about we actually schedule a time to talk about this? Because this is something that we can definitely help with, Mm -hmm. just like we've helped ABC customers with. So I, I like that approach too, doing a little bit of discovery, connecting it back. Or the other approach is just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I could do that. But what's better is for us to schedule some time <laughs> to meet with my product specialist. So let's go ahead and do that. Yep. <laughs> you know, and just be very persistent about it. Um, okay, cool. I want to, we got about 15 minutes left. So I want to transition here to the next type of objection. So we covered blocking objections. These are essentially the brush offs. The person is objecting essentially to being cold called. So we have some clever ways to handle those. The qualifying ones, I feel like, is where it gets a little tougher. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dana, we'll start with you again on this one. We have a solution in place, or we're using a competing solution, or we built something in-house, whatever it might be. Like, we're taking, right. we have a solution. How do you handle this one? Um, first question that comes to mind, especially, like, with a competitor or, I mean, manually, like, in-house is one of my favorite to overcome because... I bring up like the the amount of work that comes with. And I'm always like surprised, like, oh, wow, wow. And you're managing all of that, you know, bring a lot of surprise to it where it like makes them think like, wow, I am. Maybe I can make my job a little bit easier. Um, But I will straight ask them, like, when is the last time that you evaluated these processes to see what else is out there? And then how they answer, you know, they might've just looked at it two months ago. Okay. And then you got to move on and pivot somewhere else. But if it's been like six months, a year, Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. You know, bring surprise to it where it gets them thinking. I think tone is huge when you're overcoming objections. Yeah. I'm just writing that down. Surprise. Oh, wow. Tell me a little bit more about it and and bringing in some genuine curiosity. When's the last time you looked into something else or you're doing all of that? I can't imagine how much time. I always say this because I have three girls at home and I always use it. And I say, wow, you manage all of that. Like I, and all these employees, like I have three girls at home and I struggle to keep up with them, like bringing in like, wow, that's a lot. Like you wear a lot of hats and really like humanizing with them. 
Jerry, Airely, what about you two? I love this introduction. This is probably one of my favorites, especially working at Zoom Info, um, because we can be like, hey, you know, a lot of companies are focused on tech stack consolidation. And right now, your company is already using our sales platform. Have you looked into some of our other offerings that we have? Because we can kind of match that price and like have a really good price point for you since you're already a Zoom Info customer. Um, Is this something that you would be interested in looking into? Um, You know, I think that the biggest focus right now in this economy is like budgeting. And if you know that they're using a competitor, um, you know, sometimes those competitors can be more expensive than your actual product. And I would say something like, hey, we actually had a lot of clients switch over from, let's say, like LinkedIn Sales Navigator to TalentOS just because of the price point. Like when's the last time you assess your budget for some of your tools? So I really like that because it kind of goes back to Dana's point of like, when's the last time you looked at a different product? Because I think that people get really comfortable with what they have and mm-hmm. don't look at anything else because they don't want to go through like the integration process or whatever else that happens. Fear of change. Yeah. yeah. Change too. So I love, I love that objection. Very passionate about that one. Yeah. I think one thing just to point out that you did there just for everyone else is customer voice. I know you guys talk about a lot at Zoom Info. So, hey, we have some other customers or some other folks like you that are looking for ways to do this. And it was specific Mm -hmm. around LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I think like bringing that kind of stuff in and then was also just acknowledging the like macroeconomic environment right now that most companies are looking for ways to, you know, save money on their tech stack. Like just being really candid. You know about that can be really big. Uh, Jerry, what about you? Uh, I mean, those are fantastic ways to overcome that objection. You know, I always would be like, "Hey, Jay, I'd be surprised if you didn't have a solution in place." You know, or and yeah. then you can go into a few different ways. You could be like, you know, tell me a little about what, what your current you know solution is, or you know, how is that going for you? You you can get like a like you might get a sigh right there, and then you could be like, "Okay, I, I know I can get." Yeah. Um, you know, you can just own it and be like, hey, be surprised if you didn't have anything in place. How familiar are you with blank? And then you'll hear, you know, especially if, you know, your Zoom info has a great brand recognition. So most people, you, a lot of people you talk to, I'm sure like, yeah, I, I know what it is. You know, for us, we do work with a lot of startups who are building their SDR org from the ground up. So if your brand doesn't have a lot of <laughs> brand awareness, you can be how familiar with this? They're going to say, I've never heard of it. Let me give you a little bit of background on why I'm calling and who we are. And now you can at least you have the floor for 20 seconds to tell them why you're calling. Um, Because pretty much everybody's going to have some type of solution place for something you're calling for. You know, for us, we have SDR services. You know, a lot of people we call have internal SDRs and they might augment with Revenir. But there's a lot of, you know, you call a VP of sales talking about their SDR org. They're pretty defensive. You know, they, they don't want to look at something like a, a revenue. So there, there's ways to diffuse. It's like, hey, you know, most of our teams here do have internal SDR teams and use us to augment a different market, different product, different messaging, phone first, different things like that. So, you know, you want to diffuse the situation because you might be talking to the person who chose that solution as well. And, you know, you, you're going to get some rigid people there where it's like, hey, I don't want to rip and replace the solution I had my org invest all this money in. So you, you really need to diffuse it if you're going, you know, head to head with them and, you know, trying to be offensive, you, you're not going to win that battle because you might be talking to the person who chose that vendor. The magic wand question is probably a really good one here. You know, I love that question. It's, you know, if you had a magic wand to fix anything in your solution that you're using now, what would it be? And this is them addressing pain points. Pain points is where we can really leverage our solution, our product knowledge to the best of our abilities, because then that gives us a little bit of ammunition to be like, okay, this person does not like this about this product. How How is our product different? And how can we have a conversation around that? Because coming in as a consultant rather than product dumping is going to be a little bit better. Um, And you're going to likely have somebody that's going to listen to you because people love to talk about their problems. You know, like, let's be honest, people love to talk about the things that aren't going well sometimes. And if we can capitalize on that, I think the better off we're going to be having those conversations because it's going to be more of an actual conversation instead of like, well, this is why we're better. And this is why you need to use our product. Mm -hmm. Magic one question is just a fun question also. I love it. Let's pretend for a minute yeah. <laughs> and we don't get to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. So I want to, Jerry, what you said earlier too, there's a couple of things I want to make sure everyone kind of took from that as well. And uh, you said d- diffuse, 
which I think is super important where you're thinking about objections they might already have. And you're also thinking about this prospect as a human being that might have been the person in charge of bringing the solution in. So how do we do this in a way that's not going to offend the person that we're talking about and then also prevent objections? Um, I got one more for you because I feel like this is the most common objection. Um, I love pros and cons. So if you know there's a specific solution that you go up against that you can either complement and add on to or rip and replace, you kind of need to know what that battle card is going into it. So I'll give you a really practical example. I work with a customer right now. Their number one competitor is survey software. So think about when you go to Target and you buy something and it asks you to take a survey or there's a thing on the website where you can leave feedback. That's what their competitor does. What they do that's not just surveys is they capture all of the feedback through customer calls into the contact center, through text, through emails. They gather all of that stuff because that's the real data. So the way that they handle this objection when someone says we're using your competitor is, hey, that's great. We have a lot of customers using ABC competitor. I'm really curious, though. One of the things they hear, uh, we hear that they really like is they're getting all of this great survey data that they weren't getting from customers before. And they're able to use that to improve the experience. But one of the things they find that they're not getting is actual customer conversations. So think about all of the people that don't fill out those surveys. What do they say in the phone calls, the texts, the emails? And I'm really curious, how are you gathering data from real customer conversations right now to improve the customer experience? Right. So you can do pros, cons, and mm -hmm. you have to do the pros part. This is kind of a way to talk shit about the competitor without talking shit about them. <laughs> Doing it nicely. Like this yeah, is yeah. great, but what about this? <laughs> I'd like to suggest things. If I suggest, because mm -hmm. I think something that you might run across, depending on what kind of software you're selling is the customer might not know that your solution does something in a unique way compared to what they're doing right now. So asking them those questions can be really helpful. Um, okay, let's keep moving. That was a really, really good one. So we got lots of stuff for you guys to try there. What about, um, and uh, Jerry, I'll kick this one your way, uh, budget. So uh, we don't have the budget. Um, anything that's related to budget or we're in a budget freeze, we're not hiring right now, like what kind of stuff there? Yeah, I mean, you can get budget early on and it really is a blocker. You know, budget might not be, a lot of these companies might not allocate budget for the project you'd potentially be calling, but you, as an SDR, you really just want to, talk to them about information about your product or service, you know, Hey, completely get that. You know, I, I'm not asking you to pull out your checkbook today. You know, I, I'm really just calling to have a conversation uh, to see if we'd be a fit down the line. Like you don't want them to be like, Hey, invest a hundred thousand dollars in my product from this 30 second out of the blue call. You need to qualify. You need to build a relationship and you do need to acknowledge it's like, Hey, completely understand. You know, my job is just to, you know, call, you know, into different accounts like yourself who fit into our ICP, I'm not asking you to pull out your checkbook, you know, how familiar are you with Zoom info, you know, and you want to kind of move past that budget in a cold call, the more you focus on, but it's not the time to budget, you know, we need to see if we're a good fit first. And if there right. is a problem we can solve before we even talk about budget. So it's like, you you can really dive into it. It's if you hear we don't have budget, that's completely understandable. I didn't expect you to have budget out of the blue like this, reaching out to companies in your space to let them know about us. May I ask, get to your open-ended question, get to that question and get the mm -hmm. conversation back on yours. Love it. Yeah, that's, I would say that's the best way, especially that line, like, hey, I didn't expect you to bring your tech book to the conversation. Let's get this information out in front of you. So when it is time to make those decisions or budget does come about, like you already have all the information that you need. Um, and then you can just reach back out to us when that time comes, if there is a time. Um, because I think the biggest thing we need them to know is like, hey, we're not having you bring your money. We don't expect this to close tomorrow because it, it is obvious that sales cycles are taking a little bit longer now, especially with the economy. But if we can have people that have the information in front of them, ask the questions that they need, like if it's a good fit and it's going to help them, like there will be a way that they find budget. We've seen it time and time again, or they come back in, in four or five months and say, Hey, like we're ready to, to continue the conversation. Right. That's one thing I always bring up, you know, and I try to make it about them, you know, like, let's see if we are a good fit for you kind of make it about them and evaluate. Let's get the information in front of you. And even if you fold it up and put it in your back pocket for when it makes sense, like that's the goal here. 
I love using that line. <laughs> I use it all the time. I'm curious if we use Zoom info as an example, if a prospect decides to take a meeting and let's say they're not in like buying mode, what do they, what value do they get from that meeting outside of getting a demo of like the product? Like what insight or value do they get from the account executive? What do they learn? Yeah, I think a lot of it in that conversation is going to be how does it integrate with our system and how does how is it going to work for us and our reps today? That is the biggest part because yes, you can get all this information, but they need to know how it's going to work in their day-to-day and how the system is going to flow if they were to implement this product tomorrow. But also when you're in a research phase, the first people that might take that conversation aren't going to necessarily be the people that are signing the check. So those people that take the meeting can then bring that information up to their higher Mm -hmm. ups. And then we can kind of extend the conversation from there. And that's where we know, hey, let's pause this for now. Let's touch base in like three months. And then from there, you can say, hey, like what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a placeholder for us in, you know, three months so I can give you a call back. I'm going to check in with you the week of that meeting to see if like this is still going to be a project that you're working on or if we should touch back later. I think that there's also value in that because I also think that the first people you meet with aren't necessarily going to be the ones signing that DocuSign sometimes. And they're kind of the front line to see, hey, is this going to be a good fit or not for the company? Yeah. There's a guy, Ian Koniak, I recommend everyone follows here on LinkedIn. He always says, don't take a no from someone that can't give you a yes. Yes. If you're calling that line doesn't actually sign off on the thing. Like who are they to say that they don't have budget? <laughs> they yeah, don't right. even know what the budget is. They just know <laughs> yeah. that they the budget. You're not even signing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, I think another thing too is like think about your value prop. Yep. If cost savings is one of your value props, that's a perfect reason to meet with someone that doesn't have budget. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, we're hearing that from a lot of customers right now. One of the things that we're sharing is how they're reducing costs to serve in their contact centers and specifically how they're taking customer conversations and gathering that intel to reduce friction in the customer journey to actually save their contact center a ton of money. That's what I would like to talk to you about in our next call. You know, so if you can tie it back, that's really, really good too. Um, it's Ian Koniak. I'll drop it into the chat. He's uh, He was the top rep at Salesforce for a couple of years in a row. Um, we got two minutes left here. Real quick, rapid fire. When a prospect says yes to a meeting, what do you guys do to make sure that they show up to that meeting? So I'm looking to get kind of tactical here. Do you send the calendar invite on the call and get them to accept it? Like what are some of the stuff if you guys were to rattle off, what do you do to make sure the prospect actually shows up? Let's go, Dana. You have like an 85% good fit show rate. Talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, my biggest goal and what I really focused on is trying to get them to meet that day or the following day, as close to the day that you are in as possible to keep it in the front of mind. You're booking two weeks out your rate, the percentage of them showing up really drops unless there's a lot of value within the conversation. Biggest focus for me is that same day or the next day. Um, and if it's not, and if it's two weeks out prior, I always tell them, and I set a task for myself, like, hey, I'm going to call you a few days prior because it is two weeks from now. And I call and I confirm with them. I I don't, I'm not one to say, hey, I just sent it over. Can you accept it, please? Um, it doesn't really seem to be so much of an issue for myself getting them to accept it. But I try to get it as close to the day we're in as possible yeah, I within think- the week. That's really great, Dana. You know, less than five days, your good fit short rate is going to have a higher chance of them showing. And like that's statistically proven as well, but also setting an agenda because I have seen a lot of meeting invites go out with no agenda. And they're like, what is this meeting for? Why am I meeting with Zoom info? Like mm-hmm. what's going on here? So when you're sending out that that meeting invite, it's like, hey, here's the agenda. Here's what we're going to cover. But if your meeting is on Monday morning, on Friday, you should be sending an email from that GCAL invite saying, hey, Jason, like, I'm really looking forward to connecting with you on Monday at this day, you know, this time, uh, we're going to be reviewing Talon OS, like here's a data sheet on Talon OS just to prepare us for that call. You're setting the expectations of why you're meeting, but also reminding them of the meeting. You know, I think that sometimes we can just be like, oh, yeah, they accepted the meeting invite, they're going to show, you need to do that background legwork to make sure that they actually show and setting the expectations for the call. Yes. All of our meeting invites have an agenda, which is super helpful. Anything quick, Jerry? We got to run here. 
Only other tip would be if it's booked a few days out the day after you booked it, send a thank you email for their time, redoing the agenda, just being like, Hey, we're ready to meet me and my team are excited for this. Just put yep. that other stuff in there. Just Love it. And get the prospect to accept the calendar invite on the call if possible. I found that to be a really big yes. one. Um, yeah. I dropped some stuff into the chat, you guys. Make sure to check out Zoom Info, Revenir, connect with us on LinkedIn. And appreciate all the engagement today. And Dana, Jerry, and Airly, appreciate your time and, and contributing. Thank you. It was fun. Awesome. Thank you. It was great. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you. See ya. Have, Have a good day, guys. All right. Bye. Later.